Salutations, salutations, greetings, and welcome to it. This is When Highbury Was Home, a Loud Booth podcast presentation. And I am your host, True Story. Thank you for joining us on this year, episode 24 of this break that we take to look at all things Arsenal related from a fan's point of view. I pray you well, I pray you staying sanitized, I pray you are progressing towards your righteous destiny and all your goals in the second quarter of the year. A little takeaway, a couple takeaways from the Savia Pride draw where it was a tough, it was a tough draw to take. It probably feels more like a loss, like most fans have been saying as well, knowing Prague have an away goal. You know, we led the game, or albeit it was a late, it was a late lead, we led the game. You know, we're in a situation now where we're now basically having to go away to Prague and score, you know. So my takeaways from the game team selection is still a worry for me because I'm starting to question why players like William and Xhaka get a start you know in William's case I'm thinking Martinelli is more suitable for the team and the game especially where we're going right now where we're trying to go where we can't really create as much from that side yes you want your left inside forward to be able to track back and cover your left back you just want them to be able to go forward and contribute something of, of tangible value William, I don't feel can do that right now for you. So playing Martinelli or playing Nelson in that position, and even if it means maybe for some games where you're trying to go top heavy, maybe for 60 minutes playing a Boomerang down that channel, right? Yet William is not the answer for that. When you look at Xhaka in midfield, I feel we chased away our better central midfield partners for Thomas Partey, which is something we've discussed in previous episodes and we'll continue to discuss because it's now starting to affect Partey's performances and his value to the team because he's having to overcompensate so much to the to the to the detriment of his own game, right? So we're thinking Lucas Torreira, Matteo Guendouzi are two players who are currently away from the squad on loan, who are better partners for Thomas Partey and their natural central midfielders and they offer something different. Torreira is more of a ball winner who can play the ball. Gwendoza is more of a ball player who can occasionally press the ball and win the ball as well. And they're both young enough to grow next to Partey. Xhaka is not going to give us much going forward in, in, in life, bro. When you look at Joe Willock and Ainsley Mate and Nazo, the two British players who can also offer something in that role where Ainsley could be more of your ball winner, Joe Willock more of your box-to-box guy both out on loan as well pardon me those are four players that have inadvertently been chased away by Mikel Arteta because they didn't fit into the ethos of what he was trying to build in each of those cases at the time we could understand at least for me as an Arsenal fan I can speak for myself saying I could understand in each of those individual cases at that time in relation to where we said we were going when we look at where we are You haven't rectified none of that. Because even if you just look at it on the simple level, if all four, if all four of those have gone out, arguably we'll say three of them are actual central midfielders. If you don't want to include Ainsley Maitland Niles, although he sees himself as a central midfielder, and I do too. You'll say three central midfielders have gone out. You've only brought in Danny Ceballos. And you don't seem to trust them as much anyway. And his performances are also slacking. And we don't own the player anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what's the long-term thing, you know? Because now when we've got Odegaard coming, instead of maybe dropping Emil Smith-Rowe into central midfield deeper next to party and play him as an eight you move them out wide to the right hand side to the detriment of a Martinelli or a Nelson I don't get the team selection I don't get the mentality you know I feel we should play Emil Smith-Rowe in, at the eight play Ceballos if you need to in case of emergency like we use it like like as like Aubameyang like if it's a game where I'm trying to scale our position a little bit and I'm praying he's going to have a, a game he's going to make a game of it I'll give him 45 minutes aside from that if you don't want to play a Smith throw there Miguel Aziz is an amazing footballer 
especially when you consider how we want to play the game as well right he can come deep and get the ball in the pockets turn on the half turn and he can spread the ball he can spread those passes and he's got the engine to get up and down in that midfield when you think him playing next to party he's also a bit physical in his stature he can grow in the physicality of the game miguel aziz give these kids a chance give youth a chance for goodness sake because right now i don't get it bro because i'm asking myself now what's the identity what's the plan because there's no consistency in what we're doing the fan confidence is literally weighing to zero now right where i don't care where you pull within the fan base now nobody has confidence as what we're trying to do we're literally all praying we win the second leg and then somehow we know ourselves will re will reset and find a way to draw a, a, a false sense of hope from that and say, as long as we win the Europa League we'll be fine and for Mikael that's going to be his saving grace because if he gets knocked out the Europa League I feel the board should cut ties with him and allow somebody else to come in and finish off the season because we're not going to have much of a preseason anyway then let that person use these last couple games in the league as preseason we haven't seen too much else honestly speaking it's not Europa win or bust for Mikael because we have conversations about maybe we'll finish in the top four with or the top six rather with this current run of form we are with the lack of confidence within the squad unless he makes a drastic change like saying you know what we are going quasi egypt bro when they didn't qualify for the nation's cup and they weren't even qualifying for the world cup and they're like this is not our level we're gonna reboot play the under 23s you know what i'm saying and we're gonna rebuild for the next international cycle we need to build for the next season that should be the mindset like Europa League we're playing the first team play. y'all can some of y'all will be saving yourselves here aside from that it's going to be the kids who are playing well and who have showcased that they get the tactic we're trying to build because at the very least if Mikael can say here's my tactic I'm going to select players who are willing to learn my tactic and and showcase on the field that they're willing to try and implement it because we're not seeing that if these players are Yes, we've seen the training clips, you know, everybody talks about that. Maybe Arsenal should stop that a bit because the training clips are amazing. It looks like they're all getting it. It's so exciting seeing them in training. And you see it come game time, you're like, it's not translating, fam. It's not translating. Either they don't have the confidence in themselves or they don't have the confidence in the tactics. I don't know. It's something needs to give with it, bro. This is not it. I keep saying, let us trust the kids because that has to be the new process. When Miguel came in, the process was trust Miguel, quote unquote, and what the board was doing. We had Ra Raul Sanelli at the time. Now Edu's come in and V9 has been promoted. That's the think tank with Josh Grunke. I get it. You know, we're getting a new contract negotiation specialist coming in. All of that is great. The process should be back these kids because it doesn't matter even if Mr. Dangote came in with a blank check for us to go sign. We're not going to necessarily attract certain mandem that we need for Miguel right now where he may have an idea of, okay, I want Ealing Haaland as my center forward. If Haaland's not willing to come, make Balugan your Haaland or go find a Haaland or make Nicolaj Mola your Haaland. But make use of what you have or use something else that you can get as a raw mineral and craft it into what you want. Let's put Miguel in that position where I'd rather next season we're going into it saying, Lord forbid we aren't in European competition. We just have to focus on the 38 games in the league plus the cup competitions. And I'm watching a squad of guys whose average age is 23 years old, 22 years old, and there's a future here. You know, there's one or two signings that have come in and parties in there in the squad where I can see how he is now the experienced leader of this team. Or if you feel it hasn't worked out for whatever reason, even he moves on yet. Blank slate, bro. Clean slate. Abumeyang, Lacazette, Leno, Bellerin, Shaka. All of it. You keep me just the kids. Literally, Saka stays. Martinelli stays. Emil Smith-Rowe stays. 
Willow comes back and stays. Ezdi Metnanaz, I need to see another season of. Kieran Tierney now becomes my captain. Gabriel stays. Rob Holdinho, I feel, stays for another season. The rest, bro, I don't know who else I haven't mentioned. Go, bro. It's really that real, bro. It's time to reset. We we have we have enough about us as Arsenal to know what our level is. This is not our level. It means we have to sacrifice quote unquote a season to get back to our level. We'll do that as a fan base. You know, we learned in this game against Prague that the the left side doesn't work without carrying Tierney. You know, we, we made jokes about it back then, like everything is to the left, to the left. At the very least, we were creating chances on the left side. Without Tierney there, and now we don't have a natural left back quote-unquote because Cedric Soros have to play left back on his right foot it's harder for him because he has to stop turn to bring a ball in otherwise you know there was one decent one he clipped in for that Rob holding header and you thought damn he has to literally go to the top bins in his locker to go get out of cross because it's in an unnatural side an unnatural position we have young Joa Lopez sitting on the bench he's a natural left footer player we, we let Kosea Kalashnik go, which made sense. I felt we were going to bring in somebody at left back because we knew why Sead was in the squad. Mikel kept playing him at left centre back, and I felt, okay, Mikel sees what's happening here. We, he's basically our backup left back this month. Now we have no backup left back, and it's hurting us. You know, it's really hurting us. And I feel for the second leg, Saka has to move, be moved back to emergency left back for one game. Just one game where let's win this game against. You know Prague and then we'll revisit depending on who we draw if it's Villarreal we might even have to go to a back three to play Saka at left wing back or I'd even be adventurous and play Pepe down that side and play you know Marie with Gabriel and Rob holding a center back and then I'll play Suarez on the right side no I'd be adventurous and attacking then you have an excuse to play Partey with Xhaka, although I'd play a many next to Partey and be a bit more defensive if I don't want to play Miguel Aziz. Give yourself more options, bro, because it's, it's chai, bro. And then promote, promote Joao Lopez immediately thereafter for the Premier League games, which we'll have a discussion about how we can truly back these kids in a more feasible way that can be sustainable as well for us as a football club and for their development as young players too, right? That's important. I think coming off of this game, we realized that with the lack of goal threat that we have as Arsenal, Giving Balogun his guarantees that he will get a run in the squad is is possible now because you know Aiden Ketty is gonna need a run away from the squad where he's out on loan, right? Give him that time away and so okay, Balogun's gonna be inadvertently our second choice next season, if not our first choice, depending on which direction we go in, right? And that could actually be Hoover as well because you have a player in Balogun who could potentially fix this thing for you where it's not that we don't create enough chances we create very few chances so you need a very clinical striker right now and if you have a clinical striker like Balogun who's still so young to the point where once you now learn how to create more chances volume chances he can now start to score even more goals and you can have that conversation because it's something for me as an Arsenal fan even at Thierry Henry's peak it was 30 league goals a season which is an amazing feat at that time in the Premier League and right now you're seeing guys thinking okay the strikers Bro, with the chances that are created in most very good teams that are competing, you can put yourself in a conversation of 35, 40 goals. You know, when, when Messi and Ronaldo and doing them numbers, it makes sense now when you look at the competitions you play and that you can leave a season with 50 goals in total in a season, bro. And you're competing in Champions League, you played a couple of cup games when you were playing in the league scoring, you know, at a canter. So I feel Balogun is that type of player. I feel Eddie might be a backup and a compliment to him in that direction. So if you're back in the kids, the kids next season, pardon me, and you're thinking, um, we can't afford to go and get a, a marquee signing who's going to fit our timeline. Create, create a player for yourself there, you know. You have the potential to do that in those kids. So, 
yeah man player ratings for me in that game it was a bit of a toughie you know um guess the lineup we had nine out of ten right because we got two selections wrong you know bonus point for formation that's 10 points again we take no joy out of winning from guess the lineup and then the team doesn't win the game bro we predicted a 5-0 romping but we got 1-1 result like come on so yeah um leno started in goal for me i feel he made some standard saves earlier on first half first half of the second half it was it was a standard day at the office it was nothing to write home about like a six we keeping a clean sheet at the very least if we leave here with a clean sheet and have to go win away that would be a way okay then he gives away the corner leading to the goal and then even with the goal i've heard some fan bases you can parry depending on which side you are because it seems like there's a there's a Leno camp and there's a Martinelli camp, there's a Martinez camp, although Martinez doesn't play for Arsenal anymore. I think we all should be in the camp of Arsenal and what's best for Arsenal in goal. He should not be getting to that headed chance. First of all, giving away the corner, we can deal with. We've seen goalkeepers give away corners every single game, right? Unfortunately, late in the game, you'd like to not see that fine, right? Then you're in a position where you're saying, deal with it, right? command your goal enough well enough to deal with it doesn't come out because he realizes my defense should deal with it they don't right i feel if it's not gabrielle who's going up there and cleaning it out there should be a second man whose job is to deal with the ball and not this whole zonal thing that we try to do if it only comes deal with the ball it should be a man whose job like listen if the ball comes in the six yard box and drops here there's one there one there you get it out there cool gabrielle tries doesn't get to it Cedric Suarez on the far post is behind his man and his man is ahead of him and clear path on to go. I see it. Cool. For Leno, all those are errors and all those are errors that we can't have in defense. You and goal are the last line of defense. You get to that ball or that ball comes to you because you don't have to move basically. And you hit it to the roof of your net or parry it into the roof of your net because you're trying to clear the ball. We've been said man's hands are suspect. He's a shot stopper, yet he only stops the shot as a result of trying to parry it somewhere. And he's not good at that either. You know? And I feel that's where we need to draw the line now. Like, that's not good enough. You should deal with that. Rather parry it out over the crossbar and get another corner and we can do this all night. They're not scoring. You draw that line. You didn't look confident. And I'm not confident in you as a goalkeeper. And that's it for me, bro. That was a full performance and I feel we, we should move on in the summer regardless of what direction we're going even if you don't have per se a signing out there that you want to go make i thought go go carl Hank. let's go i'd rather deal with an 18 19 20 year old goalkeeper making those mistakes knowing i have scope for growth than watching a 28 year old goalkeeper 29 year old goalkeeper make those mistakes and saying i might have to deal with this for another three four seasons depending on the financial situation of the team no sorry bob we went through the Amunia phase, dog, and that was prolonged way too long. We know what that's like. The latter years of Jess Lemon was also not too great for us. Even David Seaman's latter years, he was a laser legend for us, yet we should know when to call it quits. We're not good at doing that as Arsenal, bro. We don't know when to say enough is enough, and that hurts me personally. So that's a four for Brent Leno. Hector Bellerin started at right back. Another player we should know when to say goodbye to. Was suspect still defensively. We know he's not a good defender, and that's not going to change overnight. I think we now all know it's time to move on. He's dropped to what third in the picking order now behind Cedric and Callum Chambers. He played this game as a result of Chambers dealing with a slight knock. Yet I feel, as it pertains to the squad balance as a whole, Mikel shouldn't have a fear of playing an academy kid at right back than playing 
Bellerin known, we will complain with Bellerin because we already know it's Bellerin. If you're playing a kid, then we can see, okay, Suarez has shifted to left back, Chambers is out. You've made a decision to go with somebody who potentially might give us something down the line in the future. You giving us this again is not going to work because unfortunately in the past when I've seen him make those mistakes, Mandam would play guys like Socrates and Mustafi at right back instead of a young player who could give us something down the line. For me, it's a mentality thing. I've seen a mentality that may not shift in our data. He's too old. He's too dependent on players who are quote unquote proven at things that they aren't proven that they can do currently. Instead of trusting kids that aren't proven, yet if given an opportunity, they can prove that they may be better for us down the line. We're not in a situation right now where we can wait for a guy who's 30, 31, 32 to come right after a patch of poor form. Nah, that Monday might be on the decline and we have no time to wait for that decline, so we move on, you know? So that was a five for Hector Bellerin. I feel Chambers or Cedric should start a right back until the end of the season. Let's stop compromising the left side. We'll get to it down the line. Yet I feel Joao Lopez should be promoted and play left back. Um, like we said, Saka as emergency in games where it's a must-win situation like the Europa League games and the league. Otherwise, give a kid like Lopez a nice run of games where you can say, listen, do we need to go buy a left a left back to back up Tierney or do we have one? That could save us an extra 25 million that we don't have right now even if we were to sell all these mandam that we're trying to sell we can't waste any any peas no more everything has to be accounted for bro no none of that thing of yo we bought gabriel paulista because we couldn't find a center back now if you can't find someone in the market promote me somebody bro you don't have to spend money if you don't have to spend money that's just what it is rob holdinho I'll give a six to because I feel he was better defensively. He was the better defender in the in the back line. He was the best defender for me in the back line and broke the line as well. Came out of the back line leading with the ball. And that's something we haven't seen enough of him of late. I think towards the back end of Wenger's years and Emery's, Emery's reign when he did play, you would see that Rob Holdinho, right? Like, oh, this he's a ball-playing centre-back. That's what for many of us as Arsenal fans endeared him back to us and in, in, in that great, or ingratiated him back to us. Where it's like, it was a time we'd given up and Rob Holden because there was too many of the mistakes. He's cut that out of his game, started to showcase what he really can do. And when you begin to showcase what you potentially can do, we as Arsenal fans will give you the, the grace you need to continue to develop your game. And I feel right now, age 25, he's still at that at that right stage where he hasn't entered his peak yet and he can do something for us. He had a great chance with the head in the 38th minute from a Cedric Crosswell. As we said, Cedric was not in a left footer, but somehow managed to bring in a left footer cross. And Rob Holdinho got himself to that ball. I feel a better center back should be scoring that. I'm not saying he's not a better center back. Like I said, he's 25 years old. A center back in his pump who is playing for Arsenal should just score that chance. Yes, you're leaning away from it. You pick your spot with that head and confidently put it away. You're not a short man, Rob Holding. And I think physicality is waning on him where he didn't have a full preseason like none of these players did. And he was coming back off injured seasons in the past where he's now playing himself back into his own peak physicality where i think over time a season from now that chance presented to him he scores it and if not then we know he's not levels type thing but he has grace with me you know what i'm saying he needs to play a little bit more consistently i think from now, from now until the end of the season he should start because Luis at least is injured I don't want to wish that on Luis but there was too much rotation for the sake of trying to make Gabriel acclimatize no if Gabs can't play with Rob Holdinho then rather should be looks on Gabs than now 
what are we going to do then? Because Luis is 33, 34 next season. We have to go buy another Portuguese-speaking centre-back or Brazilian centre-back just to accommodate Magalhães. Nah, bro, like, acclimatise and make it work or we have to move on. You're great, I feel, potentially for Arsenal yet. It's been a little bit shaky. We'll get to it now, saying, for me, Gabriel at left centre-back had a poor game. One of his poorest games we've seen where there's a handful of Unfortunately, or rather fortunately for him, you can only pick out four or five games in total that Gabriel has had less than an average game, like a poor game, right? And this is one of them where I feel any stability in the back line. He was poor giving away passes. He was poor in position, just looking shaky in position. Defensively, we, we were we were stretched-ish. He would try and cover and he did well to cover. It still didn't look confident either way. I think he just needs a partner who he can rely on. If he knows I'm playing next to Rabaldino, I can rely on him. Otherwise, all this chopping and changing doesn't behoove him. He's still our best defender, which is which is saying a lot because we, we're really struggling defensively right now. Hey, um, Cedric Suarez started a left back. I feel he was competent. He had still compromised at left back. And one of his poorer games as a result of that because although he's still a decent defender in that position, playing out of position, he was at fault for that goal where Yes, he's defending on his actual right center, right right wing back or right full back position in that goal there if you watch the if you watch the replay of the goal yet. He just didn't look natural all game yet. Even if you switched him into that position halfway through the game, you wouldn't have looked natural. You know what I'm saying? And it sucks to see, you know, because he makes a goal-saving clearance around the 75th minute where if he lets that ball run all the way to the far left of our goal there, there's a man who's actually coming that side who can trap the ball and still play it back into where we were trying to recover from. And that would have been a clear goal for Salvia. So he makes a goal-saving clearance, you know, 75th minute and arguably gives away a goal less than, you know, 10 minutes later, 11 minutes, well, less than 20 minutes later. That's tough to see. So... Yeah, man, I'll give him a five, Cedric Suarez. I'd love to see him back at right back until the season ends and then we can reassess from there. I know he's not a long-term solution by any stretch of the imagination, but if it's at least a backup and we're selling Hector and we have to sell Suarez, we have to sell Chambers and maybe Ainsley's not staying and at least we know when we're buying a right back, we have a decent to competent backup next season, you know, even if it's just for one season. Thomas Partey started in midfield. We were happy to see him start, yet damn party time, man. He looked out of sorts, hey? He really looked out of sorts, not his normal self. And I've been said we need a competent midfield partner for him because I feel he's having to overcompromise in his game and having to do a little bit too much playing next to a guy like Granit Xhaka, sometimes playing next to Ceballos or El Nene. If El Nene's not having a good game, because early on we saw when we've seen the best of parties when he played actually next to El Nene and El Nene was freaking Xavi Alonso you know what I'm saying it was a different it was a different combination it was a different energy in there right now when he's having to carry that midfield a little bit too much it's it's taking a toll I still feel he needs a run of games to showcase what he can be for us that one was a four not his best game it was taken off around the 78th minute and deservedly so should have come off a little bit earlier I feel like he needs to also know as well when I'm not levels I'm not levels he battled hard and kept trying it just wasn't there for him gave away stupid low free kicks but sometimes it wasn't even his fault you know there's a man right into him and we have advantage because Williams got the ball in the middle of the field and referee gives a free kick to Prague and I'm thinking damn he was just holding his line he's just not conscious of where he is he could have moved away from the player and that would have allowed more space for William because the player would have still followed Partey instead of going out for William in that position but yeah tough game across the board for Thomas Partey I pray the form improves you know Granit Xhaka started next to him and as we said um, he wasn't the worst of the central midfielders I give him a five yet we do truly deserve better as Arsenal fans, you know. 
some will say we're overly critical yet let's talk about the level of midfielders we've had and if you had to rate the midfielders we've had in the past bro there's man them who some guys weren't big fans of some guys didn't like Matteo Flamini we know the role he played and we respected it because when given a chance he would do it well Mandem didn't like Alex Song too much. You know the ability was that you felt he didn't try hard enough yet. His level of performance, the quality he could bring to the team, I feel, on his good days was more than Xhaka's. And even on his poor days, although he had a couple poor days like Xhaka has had, I still don't feel I was as exasperated as I am with Xhaka. It feels like I just can't gauge it anymore. You know, sometimes he looks like he cares and then it seems like, his caring is, uh, is, is making up for the fact that he doesn't have the ability to do it, you know? And, like, I get that hard work beats talent if talent won't work hard. He's playing in a team where you need to be talented and hardworking. So if your talent is working hard, and sometimes even that can be questioned as it pertains to you working hard at getting better, then this is not going to work for me. Why do we keep starting him? Why? He doesn't offer us anything on the ball, let's be honest, because he's supposed to have great passing range. That's my thing. When he was coming out of Gladbach, I was the biggest freaking advocate of signing Granit Xhaka, bro. I'd seen him play wide in midfield. I'd seen him play in a midfield trio. I've seen him play 10. I was like, this man's going to do everything for us in Arsenal, bro, because he's got that left foot. He's got the passing range. You know, we're coming off a phase where Jack is not getting minutes anymore. We have to move on from a Jack Walsh. So I'm like, okay, he's going to replace what we're not getting in Jack, and he's also a little bit more physical than Jack was this is so great yes he can't run on the ball as much but he'll try he'll try fuck all bro fuck all that's all he does is try and even that's not even enough right now so i think it's time to move on from granny shaka bro i'm i'm tired of venting i'm tired of venting about a player that's gonna start the next game there's no point in that because there's no point in me watching the game that's how i feel about mandem like when, when i see william i see shaka i don't want to watch the game and half the time, I only passively watch it then. Like, now I'm watching it because nowadays I do a show. Before, I really honestly took it. I'm being honest, I wouldn't watch certain games and certain players would start because I say, you are already giving me an excuse to get heated. And then it's going to look like I'm picking on these players. Rather, let y'all go get the results you were going to get without my negative energy so that if you are going to win the game, win the game, and I can watch the highlights with, okay, William did well. I'll watch the game back and I record them. Like, oh, William did well. Or Xhaka did well. Or Bellerin did well. Cool then. All right, all right. I hear it now. My bad. I'll put my hand up. All right, cool. I see why you're persisting with Leno. I put my hand up. I see why you keep persisting with Abumayang on the left. I see. I see. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Because I still have questions about why we don't have... We've never seen Abuma Young and Lacazette play in the front two consistently. Doesn't matter what happens. There'll be time or oh, some people like, oh, man, we have too many wingers to do that. Even when our wingers are all former injured, we still persist with playing one of them on the wing. Mikel, for goodness sake, is at games where he's played Abuma Young on the right wing. He's at games where he's played Lacazette on the right wing or on the left wing. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's not it, bro. Emil Smith-Throw for me. A return to central midfield coming off of an injury great to see him back um offered us a little bit of an outlet in midfield because he moves around and i like that he moves around doesn't stay on the ball too much likes to pop off a pass decent yet he needs games now if he's our 10 down the line we're not signing Odegaard, and maybe the injury with Odegaard is a blessing in disguise cool 
play him and give him games because we saw what happened when he came in that Chelsea game and that run of games where he was playing a 10. We were a different football club. We were excited to watch Arsenal. Udegaard came in. We were excited to watch Arsenal, yet we were still tentative saying, but he might not be there next season. And then if Emil Smith-Rowe was just a flash in the pan and maybe, Lord forbid, knock on everything, that injuries come back for him, then we don't have a 10. You know, and you're talking about going to sign a 10 when do we need to? You know, we have Charlie Patino and Nevin Academy. Do we need to? If you give these kids a chance, we don't have to spend as much as we think we need to spend to revolutionize this football club. Emil Smithrola, I can say all of that still. It was a five, unfortunately, Brody. Not too many Mandem put their hands up, you know. I feel the bench saved us in anything in this game. So that was a five for ESR. Saka started on the right side. Um, Our liveliest player in the first half, I felt even in the first five ten minutes of the second half still gave us a threat he missed a sitter 1v1 in the 28th minute and that's on your left foot Sakito you are a player playing in your natural position now attacking position yes I understand you aren't necessarily developed for the world you were going to inherit I say that saying in academy he wasn't playing down the right side he was playing down the left side more he was a winger Arsenal hadn't adapted the inverted forward thing like they've done now for kids like Omari Hutchinson and them right where it's, be, it's serving them very well playing in, in the role that they may potentially play in the future in the first team right Sakito didn't work on his finishing as a kid I say all of that to say you know and I feel now it's time for him to just say listen I have everything else in my game let me make a concentrated effort to work on that. Miguel is one of the things where he was rumored to have played a role in Raheem Sterling's development into a clinical finisher when he was at Man City. It may have been easier when he's working one-on-one -on -one with just Laitiki. Now he's having to work with a squad of players and I don't think he's able to pay that level of care and attention to Saka. And one of the reasons I was happy for Miguel to take that job was because of the development I, see, I saw in Raheem Sterling and I wanted to see in Bukayo Saka. In games like this, you start to realize it's not there. Mikael Saka was carrying, was carrying Mikael. Mikael wasn't getting the best out of Saka. Hasn't been getting the best out of Saka. Saka's been carrying Mikael, and that's tough. He's been carrying us as a football club. So I don't want to be as harsh on him as most people have been about the the sitters he has missed over the past couple of games, where you can count on your, on, on one hand still, but you can count four or five chances that Saka has had this season, which he should put away, he should have put away, and he will be putting away as he develops. You must still understand, he's still a kid, 20 years old, 21 years old. Come on, bro. He's gonna get better. He's seven years of his peak, arguably, still. Come on, bro. So, I think he should have been moved to left back, you know, instead of being taken off, and then you switch, you know, Cedric Suarez over to the other side, because he still would have offered you more of a threat than bringing on Pepe, while still keeping Suarez and Hector Bellerin on the field. It's just me and my mind and how I operate as a coach saying sometimes, especially when you have a player like Saka who has shown a, a predisposition to saying I can go in there and give you a shift and play very well, then utilize him in those circumstances and those situations, right? On the other side, Willian started. Ah, Saka's rating was a five. I don't think I gave that. He came off for Pepe around the 78th minute. You know, his rating's a five for me on that. Um, although he started off a little bit lively, he just petered out a bit. And that sitter for me was just, you were on a six, but that sitter, when that comes to mind, it's like, nah, Sakito. Willian on the right side, man, my first response was why? Why when you have Martinelli on the bench, when you have Nelson, even if you can argue that Uber's off form, you have him. Why, bro? Why? 
he never looked a threat for me like he tried he tried that's the thing you'll give about willing he's like shaka dog he'll try he'll try he'll keep going you keep going you can see it's not gonna happen but because worse yet when you've watched him before i used to actually watch him at chelsea because most of the people who are close to me who watch football are actually chelsea fans i'm one of the standouts my brother and i as arsenal fans and a couple of the homies just a handful of us you know the other homies are chelsea fans we would watch chelsea fans and we'd actually watch the game to watch the game and understand i'm a fan of london football clubs i won't hold them in high regard being chelsea and tottenham yet i will respect what they do because i love london football teams and you would watch him at chelsea and be like i see the value he brought there for the last nigh on 10 years when i watched him i could see the value he brought on there the flair the creativity the unpredictability the work rate all of that was on display he could get you goals even when it started to wane towards the end of it he would get you five and five five goals five assists it's nice it's nice it's not there at arsenal yet he's starting games ahead of guys who could potentially be greater than even he was for chelsea martinelli could be better than william was for chelsea Nelson is better than Williams worth for Chelsea. Like we can't lie, like we know the potential is there. But Martinelli, we haven't seen enough of it at the level. I understand. With Williams since Academy, with, with, with Nelson since Academy, we knew this kid could do it. He was high, he was the highest touted Academy prospect out of all these Hale End graduates. Look how he's being treated. That's just disrespectful, bro. He had a chance with that free kick, William. You know, he hit the post in the 48th minute. Saka won the free kick. And that's for me the highlight of his game that's what gets him the five he hit the bar come on bro fuck's sakes Lacazette started down the middle um for him as well bad game I feel because even what he's brought into the team to do hold up the ball not as good at it when he doesn't have a run of games you can see the physicality he has to start to develop a, a liking for it it's not an easy thing for him to do he doesn't like physicality too much so when he has to hold up the board and do that he needs two or three games to take those wounds otherwise it's a it's a kick here that could make him think damn i might actually have a knock because he plays through knocks a lot like i said and it was tough for him to see he missed for me arguably a sitter and a half you know because the 61st minute the 51st minute chance he opens up his body and tries to place it hits the bar and he did everything right but score right and it's tough to see because you know he's a type of player where with his ability to score goals he may not score at the volume of most center forwards his ability to get you in the range of 15 to 20 league goals a season if he's not getting that then missing those chances is even costlier because it looks like sometimes you try to make it too pretty you know, and I get that because there's some who are like that, like, why don't you just score? You know, when you watch that chance, you're just like, you did everything right where the, the purest in me is like watching it in motion. You literally open up your body too and you place that ball because you can see that's going top bins. That's the top corner right there. It's the bar. Gets another chance in the 65th minute thereabouts where it comes on his left chance, left side across goal. The ball came from, I think, was it Hector? It came from the right side and it's literally a fraction off and you look like they just didn't have the confidence to throw everything at it. When you've seen center forward score that ball and then hit the post and probably even have to get taken off yet, they will score it. And that for me, that's why I said it's a sitter and a half. Where that one is a half a sitter where the poacher, the Felipe and Zagis that we grew up up off where we would, when we were being taught, like that's how you model your game as a center forward, is you make the most out of anything in that box. That six yard box, you the poacher, you the predator, wherever it falls, you get anything on it. You make it work, bro. You even earn a penalty in that situation, but it's what it is. That was a, a four for me for Laka. Those two chances just make it a little bit tougher for me to grade it that way, you know. But yeah, it's tough. Substitutions. 
Willian came off and Martellini came on around the 73rd minute. I think Nelly added something different, which he always does going forward with that dribbling and that end product or the potential of an end product. He had a chance and a half-ish, yet I feel with a run of games, which he does deserve now, coming off the bench or starting, whatever the case is, just give him a run of games where he knows I'm guaranteed minutes, I'm guaranteed minutes and let's see what he can be, build up his fitness as well because it was great to see him out there. That smile, the energy he has, it's just effusive bro. Even the threat he gives the opposition, the people know this kid. I think Mikel sometimes doesn't realize that the world knows who we are. We are a very big team. That's why we are Banter FC right now because they watch us to see when we fuck up because they've watched us to see when we were succeeding because we forced them to watch us to see when we were succeeding we were must watch television now we must watch television for all the wrong reasons but rather and we know we'll improve so it's what it is Saka came on as part of the triple change or rather he came off as part of the triple change when Pepe, El Nini and Uber came on which I feel turned the game for us you know Pepe brought on an energy and a drive that we really needed in that game great freaking finish for that you know like i think they need some dub for that chip you know like that was oh my goodness i love to see that like his energy is something else i feel he needs to start until the end of the season we have an issue on the left side we know it we understand it it might give us some variety there was literally a time when it literally took me back to that when Wenger would do this thing where when we started adopting an inverted forward at arsenal he never did it on both sides right partly because we didn't have a left-sided a left-footed attacking player like even when we had Van Persie you could have played Van Persie on the right wing channel and let him come on his left foot I guess he was scared of Van Persie when it comes to tracking back he would play a right wing type player like a Theo Walcott and then still go and play someone on the on the left wing channel like a Thomas Rosicki type who could come in on their right foot and be an inverted forward in Iniesta style with a bit of a twist right Pepe could be the inverse of it for us saying on the left side he can give that width and sometimes come in on his left foot because we know he's powerful enough on his left foot to still get goals coming across that way and then Saka coming in on the right wing allowing you to play a Millsmith throw at the 10. Some games it may be harder to do that if you're playing Odegaard as a 10 because you have three left-footed attacking midfielders which I'm always not a fan of because your balance literally changes from being one thing where most teams have three attacking right-footed players and then the balance is all the way one-sided. When the left comes in it's literally all the way one-sided and for me as, as a creative it's, it's, it's quick to spot those things you know okay now it looks like we're just going in one direction but it's what it is. Um, I think that was great to see Pepe come on and do that man. We can really assists at the end of the season after having seen him do that and to play that role on the left side and Saka cutting in and what we do in midfield and whatever the likes you know and then he came on for party who was struggling in that game and I think immediately he added some stability something that party didn't give us in that game with some reliability on the ball you know just he can get the ball and rotate he's not going to lose it that was just nice to see and it, it showcased that he's great coming off the bench for parte and complimenting that role sometimes maybe coming in and playing with parte for five ten minutes yet we will still need to upgrade you know down the line so i'll give him a six i don't think i rated pepe that was an eight for pepe and a six for martinelli the last one who i can rate is abu mayang because we can't rate sabayas he came on in the 88th minute um like abu mayang came on for lacazette as part of the triple change and he looked extremely lively after being benched and i think just that little bit of discipline allowed him to reassess the situation so you know what i could potentially be in a situation where i'm 
looking for a football club into the season having been captain of a football club just last season right i don't think he wants that on himself so great assist for the pepe goal he had a chance as well that he missed yet i think he's still a little bit rusty start him up front for the second leg i'd love to see him play with the kids around him for a couple games let's see what he could potentially be because if we're running in behind us a lot of the times in those in that game against prague they were trying to play saka in behind running off the shoulders if you have saka running off the shoulders and the threat of Abumeyang running off the shoulder and the threat of maybe Pepe running off the shoulder on the other side. I think teams would be more cautious of that, right? Right now, it's not as much of a threat. They can still play a high line and Saka can get caught out. He's not as physical enough to go up for that high ball anyway, you know. So we saw some fouls also get given against him in that position. But it's a nice idea. It's a nice idea. Play in behind the, the opposition's team. You saw what Leicester did when they went on to win the league, right? It was quick transition, counter-attack, and get in behind, get the ball forward and drive at them. Right now, against certain teams, we need to have that element in our game where, especially as a counter-pressing team, I feel, as a counter-pressing team, you always should be cautious of the fact that you need to be good at counter-attacking because you are trying to create counter-attacking phases within the game anyway as a function of your play so it's not like you're a counter-attacking team as a counter-pressing team you're already looking to counter-attack and hit teams on the break right you need to be better at that i don't think we're good enough on the transition and once you change that in a counter-pressing team it changes everything because the players are now more inclined to want to win the ball back knowing once we win it back we're basically creating a chance every time we win the ball back we're creating a chance you saw what it did for liverpool in their league winning and champions league winning runs right they just want to create chances off of winning the ball back immediately, bro. So a couple takeaway stats from that game. 11 shots to 10 for Prague. We only had two on target. They had four, you know, so poor conversion rate across the board. 55% ball position for us, 45 for them. 439 total passes for us with 383 for them, 383, pardon me, for them. 81% ball position for us, not even position, pass accuracy off of those passes. Again, I feel it was disappointing how we use the ball, but I mean, I digress. 77% present for them. One offside in the game came to us. Five corners to three for them. They scored off their corner, so there goes that. I mean, I heard we had a set-piece coach come in. I haven't seen much improvement as it pertains to our set-pieces. We saw one or two goals earlier on in the season, then that's kind of petered out too, but... Yeah, man, we go again, <laughs> we go again. So that brings us to the preview of the Sheffield United game, which is at Bramall Lane, Sunday, 8 o'clock kickoff. Sheffield are last in the league right now, we 10, so we should be winning these type of games yet. We know the type of form we're in unless we make certain type of adjustments for a game like this. Unfortunately, it might be more of the same, right? Um, it's going to be the 118th game between Arsenal and Sheffield United. We've won the previous games. We've won the previous 117 games. Rather, we've won 50 of the previous 117 games, drawn 27 and lost 40. Sheffield are a team that actually has good run of form against us. The first game against Sheffield was a 1903 FA Cup game. We were at home, lost 3-1. And our first win came literally the game after that when we played them in 1904, December 24th in League One or League Division One at the time at home, we won 1-0. Right now, the tail of the tape for them, they're struggling, haven't won a game in their last three, in their last six games, it's, in their last five games rather, it's three losses, a win and a loss, so that three, that's three points out of a possible 15. We are on a run of a loss with a draw, a win, a draw, and a win. So that's eight points out of a possible 15 for us. So we're not that much greater than them anyway right now, but we should be winning this game still, you know. They are currently unbeaten at home against Arsenal, having played four, one, two, and drawn two, which is something we have to be conscious of coming into this game, where we've played more games at Bramall Lane 
without a win than any other ground. You know, that's four games. Our last win at Bramall Lane was in April of 1991. I wasn't born yet, family. <laughs> the last time we won at Bramall Lane, I wasn't born yet. And that's the talk. I know they've been in and out the league and that can argue it a bit, but we need to win this game, even if it's just for our... Uh, the, the stats, you know what I'm saying, and that's m- morale boost. Like, yo, Arsenal's first win of Bram Malay since '91. That could do something for the squad going into the second leg. I think <laughs> we can move into ninth with a win against Sheffield because Villa are playing Liverpool on Saturday, which is today as we record this, depending on when you hear it. Um, City on Wednesday, so they have two tough games as Aston Villa that could see them maybe drop a couple points and see us move up. I know for Leeds, they're playing City and I think it's a reverse because they play they play yeah I think they play they play City and Liverpool in, in reverse order so it's going to be the teams basically above and below us directly are playing some very tough games so we should be picking up points knowing we don't have to worry as much about you know too many things right now <laughs> you know we have the Europa League to worry about coming to this game it's a free hit go ahead and win it bro because you are better than your opposition don't overthink it play your best game and you should win and you will win right Sheffield has scored the least amount of goals in the league this season with 17 and conceded the third most of 52 so as I said on that ratio we should be winning this game what 3-1 4-1 so mentality is going to be everything if we come with the right mentality knowing that we should be winning this game and we can win this game so we should just go out and play confidently do our best and let God do the rest you know but you know our team man so I'm just going to focus on positivity right now let me stop second guessing and give them good energies as well we'll say right <laughs> facts team news going into it Karrion Tierney is out Fortunately, no surgery will be needed on his ankle, so it's going to be four to six weeks of rehabbing, possibly out until the end of the season, depending on if we make it to the Europa League final. Otherwise, we might have to do with Kieran Tierney until the end of the season. Martin Odegaard is going to be out for this game, having rolled his ankle in the international break. He came back and played yet. It looks like there's still some discomfort there, so I think two games out for him. David Luiz is definitely out having had surgery on his injury and he's recovering now three to four weeks out for him so we might see him last two games of the season maybe coming off the bench and not starting by the grace but speedy recovery to David Luiz of course. Callum Chambers is a doubt for this game because he's still recovering from a knock. We saw him do pretty well for two games and have a poor game and suffer that injury so I mean, right now, with the situation being what, is it, what it is at right back, this would have been the type of game where he could put his hand up again, but he's probably going to be out for this game. Which leads us nicely into my predicted team saying, I've gone all the way through the saying, back the kids, back the kids, back the kids. So I'm going to back the kids. <laughs> I got Arthur Konko and goal, bro. Like, reality is this. Leno's going to have to play the second leg. I'm not comfortable with him playing every single game when he's not playing well. I'm not comfortable with the fact that he divides or is divisive when it comes to the opinion within the fan base. I'm not comfortable with none of the situation. I'm not comfortable with the fact that he knows he's going to start regardless. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Rest him. We'll call it resting. It's load management, bro. Rest him for a game and let him just look at the situation from the bench and think about it a bit or even from the stands and say, hey, have I been as good as I can be? Yes, the team is not good enough. It's not a good enough backline. It's not a good situation. They're asking him to do stuff he doesn't know how to do. Has he been as good as he can be? We've seen the best of Brent Leno. 
before he got injured and, Mar and Martinez came in, he was amazing. Top three goalkeeper in the league. Right now, he's not that. Let's be honest with ourselves. I'm starting at the Gonko and goal. If you're going all the way down to saying you don't want to start the kids, you're going with Matt Ryan or Runison, I'll even deal with that. Just no Leno. Whatever it is, I'll deal. I will say I got this call right if Leno is not starting. If Leno starts, then I'll say I got this call wrong. That's it. I just don't want to see him go, bro. It's like, come on, I can count that we're going to concede if he's in goal. Even if it's not his fault, it's not going to help the situation. That's my qualis. It's not going to help the situation. Cedric Suarez at right back for me because I'm going Joel Lopez on the left side. He was on the bench against Prague, which shows the manager knows that he exists and he's a left back, which means he knows we have a left back in the squad. Play him. Back the kids. You know what I'm saying? I go Rob Holdinho with Gabriel saying, figure it out. You're going to have to get it right against Prague and down the line until the end of the season, y'all going to have to get it right. If you don't, then I know I'm going to have to make changes. And I, and I bring you into the, my, my office the bow for y'all. I bring a translator if I have to for Gabriel. I say, y'all are going to play every single game for as long as you fit. Make it work. I will grade you at the end of the season. That's it. Partier for me in midfield starts and I have a personal midfield conversation with him and say, I'm going to bring in all my options in midfield one by one. And I'm going to have a conversation with what role I think they can play with you in midfield. So that anytime I play one of them, you understand what I want from them and what I demand from them and what I want from you. I'm going to grade you on what I want from you. Don't overcompensate for them. If it's not working with them, I'll take them off. The first one of those kids I will bring in is Miguel Aziz. He was on the bench as well against Prague. That kid is the perfect foil for Partey because he actually allows Partey to not have to change his game. Because in this current you know, incarnation of the team. Jacques is the one that drops deep into the half turn, half pocket to pick up the ball, right? Aziz does that naturally. He can even play center back sometimes, but I want him in that quasi eight, quasi six position where Partey can sometimes move to the eight and Aziz at the six when, when he's grown in maturity. He's got the physicality, he's got the technical ability. He's young enough to grow in what you want to, him to do as Miguel. He can learn what you want him to do. Play him, back the kids. Emil Smith-Rowe for me at the 10, because I don't know, I mean, we said Odegaard got two games. I still think Emil Smith-Rowe long-term is going to be our 10, because even if you sign Odegaard, is it the best thing for your midfield knowing you sign, okay, I mean, I'm, th I'm, I'm overthinking it, fine. You sign Odegaard, you still need Emil Smith-Rowe, I feel. And you need Emil Smith-Rowe to be able to play 10 and maybe on the left side, and for me, play deep. Um, ideally, I would sign Odegaard and drop Emil Smith-Rowe deeper because I don't know what Miguel is going to do with the Guendouzi and Torreira situation. And I know I have another season to bring along Miguel Aziz and see what's going on in my other positions. But I start Emil Smith-Rowe against Sheffield because he's the number 10. Saka starts on the right side saying, it's been tough to see it be like this for him this season. He's had some amazing moments and some real down moments as it pertains to just his own form and his inability to maybe just get over that that, that that hill now and saying this is my team you know because with the form he was on last season the trajectory he was on and everything that was happening in his career you would see this season as the season where he takes control of the football club and they now know he's the real talisman he's the, he's the player you rebuild around even if you buy an order guard or whatever business you go do even if Uber's the captain even if you have a Thomas Partey this is your fulcrum of your team down the line right and I feel he should play because of that let him play around these young players and let them be able to look at him and say you know what we will support 
support you and bring the best out of you because we've seen what you can do. You know, I wouldn't rest him for a game like this, which is why I'd actually play Pepe on the left side because I want to see what it can be if Saka's cutting in from the right side and Pepe on the left side. We saw what it could be in one or two Europa League games and for a half or two in the Premier League. Do that, bro, especially when you have Joao Lopez and Pepinho coming down the left side. It's so perfect, bro. They can come down and direct threat all the way down the left side and we can have Saka and Suarez on the other side with a bit more variety. And... Aubameyang down the middle for me because you need to play your leading man and let's see what he can be for us with these young players. If it's not there for him, because for him it's like this, I know it's a confidence thing. It's not a thing of he can't score goals. I know he can score goals. The issue is in which system and in which way he needs to figure that out. Yet if he's confident, he can score any type of goal. I think it's the perfect time right now to play him in that position where he's not overthinking it anymore. He's now so hungry for goals, he'll score any type of goals. If you cross on the ball in the box, you will fight for headers. You know what I'm saying? And then he will learn that this is what I do now as a striker. I score any type of goal. It's not about the fancy goal, you know what I'm saying, fading away, far post. No, I score goals. You know what I'm saying? Play him down the middle, let him score goals. I'd have Carl Hine or Runes and whatever you do in goal on the bench. Bellerin, Pablo Marie, Mo Neni, Danny Ceballos as his cover in central midfield. Charlie Patino and Amari Hutchinson, I'd promote them for this game as cover in, cent in central attacking midfield and on the flanks with Martinelli as well in that mix. And Lacazette, you know, aside from that, I'm not going to predict a score because we've predicted a lot of scores and they ain't gone our way of late. So, yeah, man, my prediction is a great game for Arsenal and a win for Arsenal. And that's my prayer and I pray that's going to be the result as well. I pray you enjoy this game. Thank you for joining us for this rant and this therapy station. We should rename this, you know what I'm saying, the, the Arsenal Therapy and Counseling Group. But <laughs> this has been when Highbury was home and Loud Boot Podcast presentation. I've been your host, True Story. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. Let us know what you think about some of the things we've discussed on the show. Let us know what you think about the changes you would like to make as well. Would you go with the kids? Because for me personally, I would back the kids in that we, the direction I take. I play the more experienced players with a mixture of the kids in the second leg. We get into the semi-final. We do that again to get into the final. And then we win the competition knowing I now know my kids can do it. I now know which of my experienced players can do it. And I can freely sit and say, okay, if I'm taking a loss on player X, I'm taking a loss on player X. But you're not playing for me next season. And the player can also live with the result of that. Because then we had a situation where some players were feeling too liked to want to move. You know, Towards the end, we had to force players out because we kept playing them even though they, we knew they weren't good enough for us. Because we kept saying, we want to build up their value. Now they know, well, I'm guaranteed money here. And eventually, you don't have good players. So you can eventually play me. Why would I go elsewhere and take less money even if I'm guaranteed playing time, right? Let's cut those like... I'm thinking of guys like Xhaka when I say that. Like, rather, you know, there might be a team that wants him even still in England. Rather, we take a loss in 15 million. We may have to pay a percentage of his wages too, but move him on and let's do let's do the business that we need to do. So, yeah, man, this has been my event. <laughs> Therapy session when Highbury was home. <laughs> have a blessed weekend. Let's enjoy the game. I know it's a late Sunday kickoff, so... For me personally, I actually enjoy those games, especially when we do well, because it starts off the week so beautifully, bro. Normally when we have a late Sunday game, I'm so excited, but it hasn't been the way for us, you know, to be excited about our late Sunday games of late. So let's enjoy this one, get a positive result, and then we link up again after that, you know. Peace.